I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous two-time champs! For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast first for Pac-12 football news, Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills, Max Meyer, and the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, subscribe to iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, whatever, wherever you want to get your podcast, subscribe to the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio. More importantly, we are stumbling, falling, rolling, laughing our way, hopefully, to a college football season, and we continue to cover... Pac-12 units. We're going in-depth, unit by unit, team by team. We're, we're basically the, the equivalent of, of laying those little freaking Reese's pieces that Drew Barrymore left for E.T. You know, like we're just going to leave a trail for you to follow so that when we have college football season, you will be as informed as humanly possible. And this week we're going into the defensive lines in the Pac-12 North, which is really exciting because this is one of the best units, um, a number of, of excellent units that are going to be fielded in the North. And uh, significantly better than the South, by the way. If, but if you're a Pac-12 South fan, last week we covered the Pac-12 South uh, defensive line, so definitely check that out. So a lot to go into. couple of items right to start off. Um, Max, the, the high school football scene in California um, had a little bit of a Debbie Downer trombone this week. Uh, tell us what happened. Yeah, so uh, California high school, um, they are pushing football to – the spring, which really means um, after winter break, so a, a January start time. And well, I mean, the fallout from that is if college football is pushed to the spring, there are going to be high school students that sit, sit out and, and try to push for spring enrollment. Rob, your thoughts on on high school football? By the way, California high school football really underrated. I mean, there are a lot of focus on Ohio and Texas and uh, and Florida, but California, just a lot of powerhouse schools there. Yeah, I I think, I mean, if you're, I think this does make some sense for California. It's, this is, you can't, there's no bubble you can enforce here, right? Like these kids are going home to their parents, <laughs> many of whom are in, you know, at-risk groups, I guess you could say. Um, so I get where they're going with this here. I think you know, for and for California too, for much of the state, you're not burdened by particularly cold weather in the winter anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I I think this works for them. Um, I, but for Pac-12 schools, I think in particular who recruit primarily from California, um, this is going to this is going to make things very interesting, right? I mean, our if a, if players do enroll early, will they be eligible to play for this season? Um, you know, if if uh, college football got moved to the spring too, so uh, yeah, real. Also, I mean, players that are, I mean, you may see more gray shirts too. Um, you know, and I I expect California won't be the last 
state to move to this. Um, but they, uh, you could see more gray shirts as uh, ki- if kids get injured um, in the spring because they, they certainly won't have time to recover for uh, the, the, you know, the coming fall football season. Yeah, just the response to all this being a giant shruggy shoulders emoji. I mean, it just seems like the NCAA needs like a big helping of game theory. <laughs> Like it just seems like they have not planned out any of this stuff at all. Um, but whatever, you know, we, we continue to move on. Uh, there was another piece of, uh, a small piece of news. Uh, Tony Fields, the starting linebacker at Arizona, who has played there for three years, uh, decided to grad transfer, which was an interesting look um, and immediately got some big time offers, Rob. And I just went on the Quack 12 podcast and was talking about how he would likely start at, I mean, he was really penned in as the starter, Dark Sharpie. Um, bleeding through the paper, the starting linebacker backer at Arizona. Uh, not a good look. Not a good look, you know, leaving the program. But uh, maybe he did see that uh, there was there was some greener pastures, and he saw that in some of the offers that that he landed. I mean, I think this is interesting because last season, you know, he really uh, he did split some time with Anthony Pandy. Um, I was not. I got to be honest. Like I did not see you know the the USC and Texas offers necessarily coming. I'm still not sure Fields would start on either of those rosters, um, but that's not to say that I, I I think like that he's a he's a bad player or anything. But I do think that he you know with with Arizona's move into the three four, and uh you know they Arizona moves a couple ends into the linebacker spot. You're mostly going to end up playing in a three three anyway because of you know you're going to be in at least nickel most of the time. It does it does make it more difficult to find playing time there, and you were expecting Arizona to maybe rotate more. So for Fields, you know, he may have decided that coming into his last year of college football, he wanted the opportunity to really stay on the field and not have to rotate out as much as he did last year with Pandy. But I mean, there were times last year that, I mean, even though Fields had a pretty good year, I mean, he looked lost in coverage, um, as did most of Arizona's linebackers <laughs> at times. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, like. I, I gotta say, like he, the evaluations that USC and Texas put on him were where above where I would have had him, but you know, like I would, I would put some more faith in what they had done too. Yeah, Max, you follow USC football as close as anybody does. Um, how much space do they have for a five ten, you know, two hundred and twenty pound linebacker? I mean, de- depth in the front seven is always a plus, and I mean, feel feel how well. I guess I would ask you guys, like, how was Fields in the run game last year? Because that. It's where USC really needs to improve on defense. <laughs> um, I always saw, saw Robin, it'd be interesting what your thoughts were. I saw Fields more as trying to keep his head on a swivel sideline to sideline, whereas Colin Schooler was get in the gaps and get in the backfield. But like you'd mentioned, you know, oftentimes Arizona's defense was best when they blitzed both of them, which is which is great for a YOLO defense, but I don't know. It was, it was hard to gauge just because Arizona's defense was such a mess. It'd be interesting to see what, what he does at USC, but what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's probably more to Tony Fields than we have necessarily sussed out from Arizona's, you know, bad defensive line <laughs> being in front of him. Um, I, I mean, and I do think that, you know, for Fields, like, I I would not see him starting at USC. I would not see him starting at Texas. Now he's also got an offer from West Virginia. I could see that more likely. Um, but he's, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, if you could get a guy that has that kind of experience, I mean, he's been playing, you know, full time since he was a true freshman, um, you know, and he was a, he was a freshman all American. 
Um, I mean, I think Schooler gets more of the pub because Schooler is more of a heat-seeking missile in the run game um, and, is, and is a better blitzer than Fields. Um, you know, uh, Schooler is better at getting out, shedding blocks um, as, as a blitzer than, than Fields is. I mean, Fields is certainly, of Arizona's linebackers, probably the best in coverage. Um, so he does have, he's more versatile, right? But if you were bringing him in at USC for, you know, just like a, a gap filling, you know, uh, you know, guy that has heavy hands that can get off blocks. I don't, I don't think he's that guy. And at 5'10", you know, he does struggle, um, you know, once a lineman gets his hands on him, unlocking and disengaging. Yeah. Well, so we'll keep that in mind. But the one thing, I, really the bigger story is another major starter for Arizona deciding to leave <laughs> Like, uh, obviously the timeline for football has changed, but in theory, this would be in the middle of like camp. So good times. Um, so we'll see what the, the culture there is at Arizona as we continue, continue through the season, but that is not what we're here for. We are here to go through the PAC 12 North defensive lines, and we're going to break down all of them right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. And I remember that ad break this time. My apologies for the last, like, surprise, <laughs> there's an ad. Uh, we got that in this time. Uh, welcome back. We are doing the Pac-12 North defensive lines and lots of excellent talent all across the board here in uh, in this part of the conference. And let's start with you, Max. We're, let's go from top to bottom. And where would you like to start? Uh, uh, we can start with the defending Pac-12 champions. Okay, let's start with Oregon. I, and I, before we start, I should do a, a big prelude here in that I think that Oregon and Washington's defensive lines are like on another level from any other team in the Pac-12. Rob, do you think that's a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, I think the only team that you could say has a chance to perhaps catch them with better coaching is, is USC. Uh, just in, in regards to just the actual talent on the field. But right now, it's, if you took coaching and talent together, the only schools there are Oregon and Washington. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to kind of staple Oregon and Washington together. We'll start with Oregon um, because there there are a lot of, of – I mean, in bo- both like top 15 run defenses, they both got in the backfield, although Oregon significantly more than Washington. I think Washington liked to keep things in front of them, and they boy, how did they do that all year? Um, just a really nasty defense going into 2020. But, uh, Max, what, what puts what puts Oregon over the top for you? Uh, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, I – I, I would probably take him over everyone else as much as it pains me to say just because there are so many other – top tier defensive line talents in the Pac-12 and and there's one at Washington that we'll go into but he just absolutely exploded down the stretch and he he took over games uh and that was just his freshman year and he just showed really freakish potential he's awesome uh Jordan uh Jordan Scott uh at at nose like he he's a great run stopper and I think with those two that's 
one of the best one-two punches in the Pac-12. Yeah, Thibodeau, 14 tackles for a loss, nine sacks, three pass breakups, four quarterback hurries, and a forced fumble. Uh, Jordan Scott, best nickname in the Pac-12 and Fat Mac. Um, and again, he, so it's if you're stat counting and you're looking at him, you're like, oh, he only got 32 tackles. Like, he, he allowed basically every other player on Oregon to get theirs in the backfield. And my goodness, did they 97 tackles for loss. Uh, That's first in the Pac-12, 21st nationally. They had 41 sacks, which was first in the Pac-12 and 13th nationally. And Rob, they they were, again, top 10 in beta rank on the rush defense side. Uh, What do you have to say about Oregon? Yeah, I love um, this defensive line. You know, Thibodeau and Scott are the real, you know, the headliners here. They were at seven in in effective rush in beta rank last season. Um, and, and they, I think they did really, really well with that. I, I, I think if there's a, if there's something that you could say that they could actually improve on, I think they could actually improve on their pass rush. Um, because they're at 11 and effective pass in beta rank last season. There are a lot of people, and I don't necessarily disagree who have Oregon secondary as the top returning secondary in the country, um, coming back. I mean, they, they should get to the passer more often than they did last season, given how effective their secondary is in shutting down, you know, wide receivers. So, I mean, that's, that's like small potatoes when you're seven against the run and 11 <laughs> against the pass, like it's a very good defense. They project it number two overall in beta rank next season. Um, but I, I would like, uh, I think Thibodeau and, and these guys are going to to come in and improve, uh, you know, if they do. And I, I mean, Joe Salavea, their defensive line coach is, is one of the best in the business. Yeah, and if you take a look at this whole unit as a whole, right, we talk about Jordan Scott, we talk about Thibodeau, but Austin Fallu, who was their defensive tackle, returns, and he was really solid. Um, one of the things that I'm interested in, so they lose Gus Cumberlander and a couple people on the edge, but Mace Funa, who kind of plays that stud position, I like true for, also a true freshman, by the way, that played. And it was so fun to watch him play. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he has a bigger role to play. Um, but you talk about heat-seeking missiles and people that were just really fun to watch blow up the other player. Mace Funa was one of those people. But also when you take a look at their depth, like just all, all across the board, Kayvon Thibodeau is backed up by DJ Johnson and Mace Funa like has people behind. I mean, it's just a really solid unit altogether. And it, it really bore out in the numbers. Rob, you know, I'm curious what Baderank said about their negative drives and what they were able to do in terms of because, you know, if you're counting the raw stats, they got in that backfield a lot. But what does Baderank say once you adjust for opponent and adjust for a lot of other measures in terms of their ability to disrupt teams in the backfield? Yeah, overall, they were number six in negative drives. I mean, they did great at creating three and outs. You know, they they created, uh, you know, negative plays. Uh, they, they created a lot of turnovers. I mean, this was a really solid defensive line that caused a lot of trouble. And it was, uh, you know, that you really saw them dominate. I mean, there's a lot of offensive lines in the Pac-12 that aren't great. Um, and you really saw Oregon, I think, really dominate uh, in those games. I mean, in the Pac-12, you know, title game was an excellent example of that. They really had their way with that uh, Utah offensive line, which, you know, they the Utes had been able to sort of um, scheme around their weaknesses a lot of the Pac-12 season, and Oregon was having none of that. The other thing to keep in mind is the recruiting. So it, it's not just depth in terms of their seniors and juniors. It's depth in terms of the freshmen and sophomores that are they're bringing in. Uh, Keon Ware Hudson is the number 11 defensive tackle of his class. Sua, uh, Sua Ava Poti was like a, a guy that's going to be coming into the ranks now. Keep a look at him um, in terms of his ability to get into the backfield. There's just all across the board, just great, great recruiting um, from Oregon 
backing up what already are like really solid blue chip players and like we already mentioned Thibodeau but oh my gosh like the guy was so fun and you're right Max he came on later in in the second portion of the season so in the beginning I was kind of looking at him going like okay you know he he's on the field but by the end of the season he was just just destroying people so yeah down the stretch um I mean in the Pac-12 championship game against Utah he had a blocked punt that helped um, clinch the game or swing the game. Uh, and then in the bowl game against Wisconsin, he, he was just, he was everywhere in, in the Rose Bowl. And so I'm, I'm just excited to see the leap that he can make in year two. And when we talk about depth or any, anything else on Oregon, Rob, before we get to Washington, because holy Moses, Washington's roster is stacked also. No, no. I mean, I, I think we've given the, uh, the Ducks much of their due. Yeah, we've given them their foot massage for the day. Um, let's move on to the other foot here with Washington, because this is a, a different type of defense. Like w- when you take a look at what Oregon fields and what Washington fields, some different approaches. Washington is going to want to keep you in front of them and, and just keep you from moving the ball from an efficiency standpoint. So when you take a look at their statistics in a vacuum, um, 71 tackles for a loss, which is 78th nationally. Um, 29 sacks on the year, which is 57th nationally. But their rush defense, Rob, is top 15, and this was a unit that was really, really solid. In addition to their secondary, we'll get to that again, like later, Washington fans. <laughs> like we'll, we'll have a whole episode on your secondary because it's awesome. Um, but the defensive line and the defensive front is also incredibly strong, even if the the regular stats don't jump off of the screen. Yeah, absolutely. They Washington's defense, you know, does feature that too high safety look. Um, you know, trying to prevent you from, you know, trying to prevent giving up big plays. And it, it's something that if you looked at last season, <clears throat> they graded out at nine and explosive drives in beta rank. You know, they were able to to keep teams from putting up big plays against them. What they they were at 14 in effective rush, number nine in effective pass overall. Um, that's a that's a good rush defense. Uh, I think what's interesting, Washington also has a terrific secondary uh, as well uh, with some with some guys that are going to be high draft picks. Um, I do think Washington's pass, like their, their line, I think is a little better against the run. I mean, against the pass than they are the run. And I'm not just saying that because the effective rush and the effective pass numbers are different. I, I do think that they're as a unit, they're, they're better designed for that. And they're also, I mean, Washington has had their struggles with middle linebackers. So I don't want to put some of their effective rush fully on the, the defensive line, but I think it's something that, you know, uh, uh that they can work on for next season. Um, is getting a little bit, cleaning it up a little bit against the run. Max, what stands out for you with Washington's defensive line? Um, you know, Rob mentioned the inside linebackers, and, and that's true. And both of them depart, so Manu and Wellington are gone. Uh, but really, it's it's the the front line, which sometimes you know they, they do like the two four type of. You know, it's always interesting to see. Okay, who's actually putting their hand in the dirt? Because it's always somebody new. Um, but they have the depth to do it. Yeah, and I mean Washington, like uh, coming into last season. They had lost so much talent, but that, but just with the uh, recruiting job under Chris Peterson, Jimmy Lake, they just had so many young, interesting pieces, and you you definitely saw um, glimpses, a lot of glimpses uh, last year. But they were also kind of Jekyll and Hyde as the whole team was last season. Like there were some games where Washington's defense was just absolutely electric, and especially the defensive line and the pass rush. Uh, and then there were other games like um, this, the, the uh, befuddling Stanford loss where they didn't even register a sack against a makeshift Cardinal line. But I still think there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, uh, Levi on Wuzurike 
is um, one of the best pass rushers in the Pac-12. And then you add a five-star in Savon Smalls. I mean, there's just so much to like with, with the pass rush and the defensive line overall. Then you have on the edges, you have somebody like Ryan Bowman that returns 34 tackles, nine and a half tackles for a loss. There is depth at the ends. And then even like I've brought in the offensive or the outside linebackers into my breakdown of the defensive line because they just play such a big role in pass rush and, and, and run contain and all that stuff. So Joe Tyron uh, returns and he had 12 and a half sacks or 12 and a half tackles for a loss, eight sacks. Um, and they just bring in a wealth of talent all across the board not only in their defensive line, but also in their linebacking core, Rob. Is there anybody else that stands out for you as somebody that uh, Washington's going to be, you know, uh, shoving in everybody's face as we move into the season? No, I mean, I think what will be interesting is, uh, you know, of all those guys you mentioned, who who stands out as teams have to put more? I, I mean, I think Onuzarike is, is set to have a monster year. And, and who comes free? Um, you know, and, and especially if they have another one of those guys really emerge too, then, then that frees up everyone else to really have a lot of one-on-ones, um, you know, and, and it, it might even force teams to be leaving a back end to block or, or, or the tight end to, to, to handle, you know, what's going on with Washington's line. So I, I think it opens up a lot of options for them, even though they often are a, a fairly conservative defense. Um, to send rushers, uh, you know, uh, unblocked uh, late if they, if they want. Yeah, and then you again you go down and look at some of the people they've recruited. Draco Bynum, uh, Leatu Leatu is another top like ten defensive end. Um, Smalls, like you mentioned, Max. So it's it's not just the front like seven and the starting seven. It's the people that are going to back them up that have another year in the system and a system that's been able to develop defensive talent all across the board. So I mean, get really excited. And it's it's funny because we'll see on the field, right? Like which unit is better in the numbers, hopefully knock on wood. Um, uh, but you know, I'm sure Washington fans are going to get mad if you say Oregon's defensive line is better and Oregon fans are going to get mad if Washington's defensive line, if we say that they're better, but at the end of the day, both of these are elite units. Both of these are going to go into the season as like some of the best units in the conference period. And it'll be really fun to see um, how disruptive they can be. It was interesting in the last couple of years, I think just the raw stats. And I know uh, Rob, you're going to poo poo this a little bit, but like just the, the yards per run, that Washington had. I mean, it was just so stupid to see the numbers um, and how low uh, of a number they were able to hold some really good running backs in the conference to um, in the last couple of years. So that's been a consistent production um, over the course of Jimmy Lake's time, uh, you know, working with the defense. And then obviously when Peterson was the coach there. So we'll see if that can continue. Um, Rob, who, who do you want to talk about next? This is a tough one for me because after this, I mean, it's a, there's a pretty good size fall off. <laughs> after those two in the rest of the Pac-12 North. Uh, I'm actually going to go, I'm going to go an unexpected place, maybe. I don't know, maybe it is expected. I'm going to go to the Palouse. I'm going to Washington State. Um, <laughs> okay. No, no, and I think, you no, know, because the defense was horrible, but it, their their rush defense was actually quite good last season. Um, their front seven, including the defensive line, was actually pretty good, and they do return you know, Will Rogers, the third and Dallas Hobbs, uh, there. Um, cause I, I think when you start to look through the rest of the conference lines, I mean, like Cal, I mean, they stunk against the run and it was, I mean, you could run all over that defensive line Stanford. I mean, they were awful. Oregon state, everybody's gone. I mean, you know, like Rashid, maybe, maybe are we counting Rashid in? Yeah. Linebacker. I, I think you kind of have to though. Like right with it. <laughs> <laughs> that that's one where we well, so if, a little bit. If, if we're gonna count if we're gonna count Rashida, then it's Oregon State. But I mean, 
it is tough because like that, you know, Stanford, you know, ranked near closer to Arizona, you know, defending the run last season in their front seven. And Stanford lost everyone. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it gets bare. I mean, like, I am not, I am not picking Cal ahead of Washington State, given that you could basically get all, all the yards you want in the A and B. Okay, well, before before we get into Washington State, and I hear you because that was one that I looked at and went, oh wow, their their rush defense is actually pretty good. Now they didn't get to the backfield at all, like at all, like no. Their secondary stunk, and they guys guys got open pretty quick. Yeah, but so one of the things that I wanted to bring up was, um, was Stanford. So you have like Dallin Wade Perry. There's going to be the the big problem with Stanford is they lose their big guys up front, and that's a problem. They lose Michael Williams, who transferred by the way to uh, to Indiana. Um, Jovan Swan also transferred, so their two biggest guys up in the middle left on their own volition, which is always uh, awkward. And then their offensive outside linebacker and defensive end Casey Tuhill also is gone. So you're right, you're right, Max. But let me let me just make a possible bull case for Stanford, and that's the fact that they're um, they have a lot of guys that were on the edge that were in that like 285 to 290 range that I think they're going to shift over. So somebody like, you know, Thomas Schaefer, um, I think is going to move over from like defensive end to defensive tackle. And he was fairly productive. And you have somebody like uh, Joshua Pacola, who was uh, a blue chip top 10 defensive end who is 285 pounds. So I, I think like, you're not going to have the big, I mean, this is why there's a significant drop off between Oregon and Washington and Stanford, right? Because I think that the two big guys up front are really important, which goes to your point, Rob, about why Washington State is actually kind of exciting because they return those two guys. Uh, but I think that they have enough, like Stanford brings back Thomas Booker, who had a really productive year. He had eight and a half tackles, four sacks, and a bunch of other stuff. He played defensive end in high school, and he was a Pac-12 honorable mention. Um, and then they all, like Stanford always has guys on the outside in the linebacking court. So Jordan Fox, Gabe Reed both return. I actually, it it's look, it's not going to be a great unit, um, but if those if those adjustments are made fairly well, I think Stanford's defensive line isn't going to be atrocious next year. And I, that's not saying a lot, but I'm just curious, Max, what you think about that theory? I don't. Know. I just with with Stanford's defensive line, they just couldn't get any pressure whatsoever last season and then because of that the secondary just got torched and i mean the the cardinal have talent but i i just i i i i can't rank them third with all the departures that they had this offseason yeah they were uh 78th nationally and 71 tackles for a loss only 28 sacks on the year which was like this is this is yeah this is a thin thin group and I mean, if if there's if there are like any injuries along that position, you might start get like some walk-ons or some pressure. Like it's it's they're they're going to need some injury luck for sure with that with that group. That's true. One guy goes down, it's going to be a major problem. It's really just fascinating because when you take a look at the recruiting at Stanford over the last couple of years, um, man, I think in 2018, I want to go back and look, but there was one year where they took 14 players. <laughs> Just like, how are you functioning as a football program? And I, and I understand that there's some um, issues that they have to go through in order to get people eligible and all that stuff. But 14 players, Rob, um, where would you put Stanford on the list? And then we'll get to Washington State. I mean, Stanford, I would like the 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 new field that we've included in, in Baterank this past season <clears throat> to count for coaching and development. You know, you think Stanford 
based on like the far past performance of grade out well here now I'll grant you i tilt it towards recency bias but they're at 67 in coaching and development i mean stanford is starting to turn into late vintage you know jim mora ucla where you have a lot of really highly regarded recruits who come in and don't play very well in a college system um or in stanford's college system um i I struggle with this Stanford. I mean, this Stanford defense last year was at 81 in beta rank. Um, that was second to last in the Pac-12. They were 73 against the run, and that's your that's your front seven, most of that grade. Now, they were also so bad rushing the passer that a secondary with Paulson Adebo graded out at 80. You know that they graded that unit graded out 86 against the pass. Um, there's just not anyone. There's no one coming back that you you can really look at their stats and their tape and say, yeah, that guy's it. And then there's and I have to say, like, I, I mean, I just I don't think Stanford's defensive line coach is, is particularly good. So I don't know. I'm not sure they, they they could easily like on pure talent. Right. Like be the third best line in the conference. But um, it's been a while since they played. like I mean, they played like that. Yeah, I would put Cal in front of them. I'd actually put Cal in front of Washington State, too, but we'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it was really interesting, Rob. So Washington State, like you mentioned, actually was pretty pretty good against the run. I mean, you know, they weren't top 25, but um, they were better than a lot of units in the Pac-12. What set them aside as uh, as just better, flat-out better than most of the teams in the conference? They were they were pretty good at, in, in their run assignments and, and closing up gaps. I mean, for the most part, I mean, closing up gaps. Um, and they were decent. I mean, they had a they had a truly. I mean, this is almost like Colorado, like ask in their big split. Um, you know, they were so bad against uh, the pass. Their secondary was that. I mean, they they did. You know, they, they struggled sometimes to get good pressure because the ball was often coming out so quick because guys were getting open quickly. But I do think when you look through it at who they're bringing back next season, I mean, Will Rogers had a, had a pretty good year. I mean, six tackles for a loss. Um, you know, Dallas Hobbs, you know, he also got back there for five and a half. I mean, if you, if you combine that with what Jihad Woods had from an outside linebacker, I mean, that's 10 tackles for a loss there. Um, there, there's, there's more to like, I mean, that, that secondary is atrocious, but there's, there's stuff to like in that, in that front seven for, for Washington state. Yeah. Jihad Woods was, uh, I think a pac 12, um, all pac 12 team, uh, winner, 141 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, four quarterback hurries. Um, we mentioned the tackles coming back, Dallas Hobbs, Will Rogers. You know, a player to look out for, Max, is Lamonte Dougal. He was the transfer from West Virginia who was a freshman All-American. Didn't necessarily produce as well as uh, people wanted him to. It was his first year in the system. So, uh, But that gives them another body to look forward in. And really, just an all-name team. They got Lamonte, uh, Lamonte McDougal and Cosmos Quite. So uh, he's also there uh, kind of creeping around. He had 20 tackles last season as a defensive end. Uh, where would you put Washington State, Max? And what do you what do you think of that unit as a whole? Um, I I put them below Cal, um, and then with the other three. I mean, if we're counting, I I was counting Hamilcar as as linebacker, but if if we're counting him as part of defensive line, I'd probably put Oregon State above Washington State too. Um, but Washington State, like that was like last year's defense. It was a young group. And then with Tracy Clay's leaving in the middle of the season, it it, it was just like a, it was a all like a, a all hands on deck fire alarm. Like I don't even know. It was just it was a miserable situation. And but now you have Jake Dickert who did really nice things at Wyoming, 
except I, I feel like Wyoming, the strength of those teams were usually the secondary. Um, uh, so I, I'm interested to see what happens with the defensive line since they're uh, shifting now to a 4-2-5 and Washington State would usually have at least um, the past or last season, it was like a three-man front. So I'm interested to see what the transition is like, but I just feel like they can't be as bad as last year's situation. So I, I feel like that they should be on the rise. Well, let, so I, again, I would have Cal three, but Oregon State is more interesting to talk about um, just because they have Hamilcar Rashid and actually some other pieces on that line. I think the one thing for Oregon State is they lose their defensive tackle, Elu uh, Aiden, and he was, uh, he ended up, he's a big, big freaking dude. And there's a big question mark right in the middle. So you have Jordan uh, Whitley and Alexander Skelton and a couple other people that might be able to be productive on that front. But I'm uncertain if that's going to be the case, Rob. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Whitley is 330 pounds. He's a redshirt senior. Um, they have Isaac Hodgins over at defensive end who uh, looks to be pretty productive this coming year. Uh, Simon Sandberg returns as a defensive end. But the really the story here is Hamill Carter Sheet. Yeah, I, I like – I mean, they bring a ton back on defense, uh, this Oregon State team does. And they made significant improvements this past season, um, you know, getting all the way up to 77 overall in beta rank. Um, they were at 61 against the run, 95 against the pass. I mean, and a lot of that was on the secondary because they were able to get pretty good pressure for the most part. Um, but there's – I mean, I um, – it is hard. It, it's harder to make the. It's easier to make the kind of jump they just made from like atrocious to merely bad. Um, you know, the next jump is going to be harder. I mean, I do expect them to improve. Um, you know, maybe even down into the 50s or 40s uh, as a defense, which would be a huge jump, I think, uh, this season. But this line, I mean, if they can continue to find ways to free up Rashid. Um, and the linebackers, I, th- I think they're in a good spot. I mean, but there, a lot of the guys, I mean, uh, are you know, uh, you know, on that unit, uh, you know, they're, they're, they they understand their role uh, in it and, and, and they, they play to it. Yeah. Hamilcar Rashid, 131 tackles, 22 and a half tackles for a loss and 14 sacks on the air. Whoo, buddy. Um, he also is joined by Riley Sharp, who returns, who was a redshirt freshman. Um, and one player to look out for on the uh, on the linebacking core would be Addison Gums. He was the Oklahoma transfer that I was really excited to see how productive he would be next, this past year. And then he, I think he busted his ankle or something. He was out for the year, first game of the year, and he was gone. So he returns. Uh, you got to think that he's healthy. So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to bring to the table. But Max, when I take a look at the line line, the actual defensive line, I don't know, like, I mean, uh, Tavis Shippen, who was uh, a top Juco defensive end, may start. But, like, it's not like Simon Sandberg and Jordan Whitley is a murderer's row. I don't know. I, we'll see. I mean, 61. I, I agree. Because, like, if, if we're not counting Rashid, then I feel like Oregon State and Washington State um, would be my bottom two. So it, it just depends if you want to go there. And it's too bad that um, they had a former Auburn transfer, Charles Moore, but he transferred out again um, in, in like a couple months ago. And that would have definitely been a big boost because I, I, he was a former top 100 recruit. But yeah, I mean, Oregon's defensive line on its own. Yeah, it, it's really it's really Rashid that's the star of the defense. But as Rob said, I mean, it, they return a lot and. So just having that additional experience, especially 
given these or given this unprecedented circumstance, that's definitely uh, an advantage. All right, let's move over to Cal and let's do it right after this. Cal, Cal, we're back. We're talking California Golden Bears defensive line and man, they got a huge boost. So they they for me were bottom of the barrel ish when uh, it looked like Luke Paquette and uh, Zionde Johnson were going to graduate uh, and leave the program. And that wasn't the case. They both got waivers to play again. So now you have a Cal defensive line that basically returns everybody. Uh, they have now they had issues up front, Robin. We'll talk about that in terms of their uh, their big guys in the middle. If you wanted to run, you ran up the middle on Cal. And uh, but still, there was some production here. They were second in the Pac-12 in sacks with 36, uh, 21st nationally tackles for a loss. They were fifth in the Pac-12 with 76. Um, and, and again, bringing back some production here. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Rob, what do you think about Cal's defensive line? I disagree. <laughs> so <laughs> I think and I, like I'll, I'll lay out like my, my case. So one, you can absolutely run on the Bears. Um, you know, and, and they, they simply didn't have a nose tackle, um, and that hurt them all season. Uh, you know, they graded out at 51 in beta rank against, uh, against the run last season, but they graded out that overall defense graded out at 29 against the pass. And a lot of that is that they actually had a pretty good secondary. And I don't think like, you know, a lot of these sacks come in from the secondary having pretty good coverage. Um, and I don't know that the defensive line, you know, really, without blitzing or without sending linebackers. And if you look, I mean, Cal was pretty aggressive with that. Um, I don't know that the line themselves was, was doing as much as they could, you know, like there, like I, I, I think some of it's scheme and some of it's having a, a very good secondary, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not a believer. I mean, like, it's good that they're bringing those guys back because if they weren't, they would rank dead last. I think if you're in anybody's grade of it. Um, but you know, I, I still think without having, you know, answered the question at, at nose tackle. Um, and really, I mean, like, I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, Cal has some losses in the secondary. They've hired Marcel Yates. We'll see how that works. Um, you know, like, are, are these guys, are these guys going to be as productive without, you know, the, you know, a very good secondary behind them? You know, I'm curious. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The middle is a problem. Um, you know, Luke Paquette returns, but he wasn't good. So, so they got that going for him. Um, one player to look out for is Brett Johnson, who was a really one of the few blue chip defensive players that Cal got um, in twenty nine in the 2019 class. He played as a true freshman. And, you know, depending on how good Baquette is, he might move over to the defensive end, which is more his natural position. He still he had 26 tackles, a couple tackles for a loss, um, undersized at the tackle position, but also should be somebody that should be productive. Um, I don't know. You take a look at the outside. Cameron Good was pretty solid. Um, you know, 14 tackles for a loss, nine and a half sacks. You also have Tevin Paul, who um, is on the other end, and, and he was fairly productive. I mean, I think this all kind of centers around Weaver, and we'll talk about the linebacking cores a little bit later and Cooney Dang and all that stuff. But I don't know, Max. I, I'm i not as depressed about Cal. I would certainly put them above – oh, man. I'd probably put them above Washington State. I would probably put them above Oregon State. Um, am I a crazy man? I don't, I don't think so. But again, like, I feel like Cal, like uh, both sides of the trenches, it's the same story. Like each unit was pretty 
terrible last year, but they return everyone. And they're going <laughs> up against other uh, trench units that are just uh, have a lot less talent. So I, it's it's by default that Cal is the number three behind Oregon and Washington. Yeah, Rob, one of the things, too, is, and again, like, I really want to emphasize, if you want to move the ball against Cal, the secret was just run it up the middle. So until they solve that problem, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough sledding uh, in Berkeley. But with all that said, right, we just like crapped all over this this unit and they, they were still 51st in Baderick against the run. It wasn't like they were awful. Right. I mean, they weren't they weren't terrible. I mean, that's I mean, by Pac-12 standards, that's quite good. I mean, there's, there's some units like Colorado whose whose defensive lines get showered with praise and finish in that range, right? Um, I just I, I guess I think with Cal, like I just I, I expect maybe more out of them. I mean, they really fell off last year, particularly against the run, um, and it was you know the 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 culprit was not having a nose tackle in there. Um, yeah, I, I mean you're right. I mean I think Cameron Good is, is a talent, and I think he could have a big year. Um, particularly with those other guys returning. So it's not, I mean, I, I I guess I like what Washington State has more because I'm grading Washington State's defensive line having Washington State's secondary behind them, and I'm grading Cal's defensive line having Cal's secondary behind them. Yeah, so let, let's let's sum this all up here, and let's give our individual rankings. And again, um, it's Oregon and Washington is not close, and then it's kind of just the drop-off and where do you put all the pieces together. Um, so I would go Oregon, Washington, um, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. Oh, man, where do you put Stanford? That's such a bizarre – like, it's so weird to put Stanford last, and I don't want to do that. But um, I'm going to put them uh, above Washington State just because of the front of their jersey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got to see one more year of it. I'm just a man in denial right now. So I'll do Oregon, Washington, Cal, um, Oregon State, Stanford, Washington State. Max, how would you put those six in order? Are, are we counting Hamilcar Rashid as, as defensive line or linebacker? Let's do. We'll make him a linebacker. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm or, sorry. Include include him in your include him in your uh, in your rankings. Let, let's put him. I mean, he's just so devastating. I think it's hard to ignore him. Okay, Oregon, Washington, Cal. Oh man, uh, Oregon State, Stanford, Washington State. Oh, we, we had... actually didn't no, actually now nah, flip it. Washington State, Stanford. Oh, Stanford on the bottom. Stanford on the bottom. Okay, okay. We'll figure it. We'll see what happens in the if the season actually happens. Rob, who do you got? What What are your top six? I got Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, uh, Washington State, Cal, Stanford. Oh, Rob Hayden on the Bay Area, beautiful area. Suck it, suck it, Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> Their one fan is really mad at you. Right I can't now. say that. Like this is a family podcast. <laughs> um, I've been I've been watching uh, reruns of the league, and I, I apologize. <laughs> um, I think that's it. So the next the next uh, episode, let's do let's do secondary. Unless you want, do you want to do linebackers? I guess because probably let's do linebackers. Let's shift back a unit. And I know we kind of merged the outside guys in here, but whatever. Let's let's go there. And I, uh, these episodes are going to be a little shorter just because there's no games right now and we're not doing full team previews because we don't know when those teams are going to practice and it's hard to get the depth charts right and all that stuff. So if you have questions, let's open the podcast up tomorrow or next week for questions. Uh, send them to our, our Twitter account at 12 Pack Radio at 12PAC Radio. Um, Max, anything you got going on? 
Well, it just it seems like every other sport is is, is about to you know start. So MLB is is uh, opening day is Thursday. WNBA is this weekend, and then the following week is NBA and NHL. Oh snap! It's good times finally. It's gonna be real. I saw that one clip of. I think it was a Yankee hitting a home run and the ball's just dribbling down the stairs. It was just like the most depressing thing I had seen. Um, that wasn't like truly depressing, but it was just so weird to see that ball just kind of drip and drip and drip down the stairs and nobody's running after it. Nobody's cheering. But um, but games are on and that's exciting. Rob, what do you got going on? Uh, the previews continue. We're doing the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, I'm also going back and getting videos on like power five teams. We didn't cover you know, right off the bat. So we're actually going to do Oregon state tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's great. Tune in, like check, check out our YouTube channel at uh, sharp college football or uh, check out our site at sharpcollegefootball.com. Yeah. It's good stuff. We had some good questions this week from, um, some of our listeners. So thanks for sending them our way and send any questions you want answered on the podcast. Thanks again. And we will catch you next week.